How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Terrible. Yeah? Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Rough day. But I mean, the evening always makes it better because I'm not working. I'm going to have to talk about great stuff with a good friend. That's... But for now, I'll be recording the podcast. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. <laughs> so close. So close. We'll get you to uh, admit your true emotions one of these days. And that day was last week when we talked about emotions in games. Um, but right now, we're not covering an emotional game at all, I don't think, really. It's just really nothing. You know, it's pretty devoid of sensation, one would say. Yeah, Empty finally inside. another game with a silent protagonist. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, it's not really that at all though it's got uh, a lot of feels I would say for me playing through it it's got a lot of things um, before we get into the important info stuff that we always forget to share mm-hmm. I have to ask because I know you were holding off in this game for a while yeah. uh, in the same way that I did for a while but once I played it I was like oh I'm glad I fucking did did you feel the same way? I mean, sort of. I, I can't claim that entirely because I played, I checked, and I played like 40 minutes my first attempt. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, ah, I'm not feeling platformers. I think I, I probably had another game on the burner at the time I was playing. I can't remember what that game was now, though. Um, but in either case, I didn't give uh, this one a fair shake until this this playthrough. Now, yeah, I mean, I regret waiting on it as long as I did. It's really good in a genre that I don't normally particularly like. What game is that, Jake? Hollow Knight. Ah, Hollow Knight. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we have to have a Monty Python episode one of these days. Where we do Monty Python bits? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that very few people would get in this country. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Hollow Knight. It's a freaking game. All right, let's bang off some stats. Sure. Developer, Team Cherry, they haven't done anything else as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So anytime that happens where a developer's like, hey, we're going to make something awesome out the gate, it really helps solidify them in the game industry. Okay. When you have an awesome title, people are like, this is good. And it's good on many, many levels, some of which we will get into. Right. We'll talk about the levels a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Team Cherry uh, came out in 2017. Um, I think it was out on most major consoles. I don't know if PC was exactly the same time, but I think it was. Hmm. I know um, within the last year or so, it got added to Switch as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, this would actually be really good on Switch. I could, I could totally see that. I could see it being one of the few games I'd be willing to play with like freehand uh, switch modes, switch con, joy cons. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> joy, the forward cons. <laughs> Depression cons. No, that's not right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really use the joy cons for like anything. I'd probably still use a controller or something, but attached to the console, I think the joy con would be fine for this. Um, I mean, I played like with a 360 controller. Yeah. Which same. is like. Like, I still think it's basically the standard for PC use, but I can see that, like, modern controllers are slightly better, slightly more responsive. Um, I really like the feel of the PS4 controller, for instance. 
Um, I just can't usually use it on PC and expect it to work with everything. Yeah, but it's good with controllers because it's a nice tight platformer. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, if you look at older arcade games in the sense of platformers, a lot of times when you're moving and jumping, it's not responsive because uh, they're kind of designed mm-hmm. for arcade cabinets. And once you commit it to an action, you're kind of stuck doing that. Yeah. But since you have, I know we, when we talk about Mega Man X, I always talk about this. Mm-hmm. When you have that much degree of control in a game, it really allows you to do so much more so they can challenge you so much more yeah. because every action is your own. You can't ever say like, but the game, no, these are all of your inputs. Yeah. It's directly responsive. I felt adequately challenged through significant portions of this game. There was very few questions about whether I was challenged or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a uh, Metroidvania type game, at least according to the Steam tags, which I would agree with in this case, right? Um, what is a Metroidvania? So my understanding, without consulting the definition, because... <laughs> why would I start being right now? <laughs> like, is the... Leave that for pros. Yeah. Metroidvania is a platformer that has you uh, kind of go back and forth um, retrieving key-like items or abilities to unlock other areas. Um, I think that's... Well, from G- from what I know of GDQ, that's how Metroid worked. No, um, that's, that's correct. Tie the chicks yeah. out. Uh, so that's that's my interpretation of it and this definitely falls into that category in my head but you mentioned how there was a lot of different rooms for there's a lot of room for inputs or like different abilities and things like that and i feel like it really evolves that space compared to anything i've played you've played more platformers than i have so maybe there's some more similar games you could think of but i Um, ain't ain't got anything (laughs) from a lot of the platformers i've played um I think Sundered was one recently. Also, um, great at remembering the names of things. Mm-hmm. But the Spanish Catholic one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was um, it's not it's not banished. It was something else. It was like a single word, right? Probably. Varnished or varnished. Varnished. We'll call it varnished. <laughs> right. But yeah, those still have upgrades and map progression in a sense where you might say like, oh hey, I need to double jump here or a dash where they kind of just put like an obstacle you have to come back to. Right. You're kind of getting familiar with the area and exploring. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, but I want to say none do it as well. Blasphemous is the name of the game. I think you're looking for. No, my statement was not blasphemous. <laughs> the Spanish, the Spanish inquisition. Blasphemous was still a solid title. Um, yeah. But yeah, very much going through this game, you start off with a fairly bleak view of the map mm-hmm. and you know you're going underground a little bit. When you see the map, you're like, okay, cool. And then as you explore, you're like, okay, I think I've found pretty much everything. And then at the end of the game, you're like, where where are they fitting these? <laughs> yeah, no, it's gigantic. The map yeah. is actually gigantic. Thankfully, you have like a fast travel system that kicks in pretty early. Um, which is nice. It's also lore, the crammed in there. It's not just incidental. Um, 
It's not like you can now travel via the power of the Lord vessel because <laughs> we QA'd the game and people couldn't make it through without the ability to travel. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty much necessary because the game's absolutely gigantic and um, fairly stacked too. Like areas are built on top of each other. There'll be different exits and entrances to various areas. Um. Yeah, it's not one of those things where it kind of like pipes you into, hey, are you trying to get from here? You have to go to here. Yeah. It doesn't limit you in that way. The very start, which I think is like probably a good move, you know, Uh, until people know how the game is played. You should probably give them, even if there's multiple ways you can kind of go, you have to drop down the well, I think, in um, Dirtmouth. Yeah. uh, to, To really progress. Um and i think that's a good idea (laughs) you know um later i was kind of overwhelmed by how many options i had to explore and options i didn't even know i had (laughs) for exploring yeah Um, so when you start out you kind of just are thrown into this world and then after a short bit you kind of enter this small town mm -hmm. which seems to be like one old guy in a bench and there's not really anything else but he kind of tells you that like, Hey, um, a lot of people have gone down to explore the mines, but like a lot of people who go down there don't necessarily come back. They kind of lose their way Mm -hmm. and lose their minds. Um, so you go down there right naturally. And as you explore, you encounter conifer, the map maker. Mm -hmm. So he's just kind of going throughout the game and mapping out areas. Mm -hmm. So he can give you a map for an area. If you find him, that will kind of give you the rough outline of the map. Yeah. But you don't actually have the map colored in with like certain pieces until you get another key item to kind of fill in your map when you sit down on benches, which are your save points. Yeah. There's a lot of buy your game features. Uh, Conifer also hums, doesn't he? Like anywhere he is or it's humming. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He has like a little ditty he does and there's, pieces of paper that kind of lead to where he is yeah it's it's a really useful and cool mechanic because anytime i was in a new area like your map's completely unusable it's just like location not mapped whenever you try to bring it up um so i was just like hoping and praying i could find a page so i could start tracking that down um and i bought like i think the first things i spent money on which is geo in this game right is um the uh, the the map marker I think you were talking about, and then there's a um, a compass I think is the other yeah a compass charm. is one of the charms you can get yeah which will actually show your location on the map so when without that and you could remove it at any time you're free to just you know compare what you see with what you think is on the map and you know do your best but I'm lazy I use the compass for most of the game I. I usually leave it on for like early playthroughs because I'm like, I don't remember where I am at all. And I think I'm going the right way. Then I look at the map. I'm like, no, something's off here. Right. (laughs) I'll try and keep it on. (laughs) But what's cool is like when you're at the bench, you can swap out charms. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're like, hey, this is exploration or farming gear. Because technically charms are your only customization throughout the whole game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because... You're kind of just a little bug guy and you have not even a sword. You have a nail 
yeah. which you just kind of like do you kind of throw it out with like a, these small slashes very quick precise attacks mm-hmm. and that's it and early on in the game i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this combat so much because it seems kind of rudimentary and uh-huh. not my thing um but then as you go you're like oh this is actually just very tight and precise oh yeah. and you appreciate it so much more you don't need the theatrics of like this giant overhand shit you're just like stab 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 dodge yeah it's a it's a a precision platform platformer one would say um where a lot of the abilities you also get feed into it so it's like first boss i think the mechanic is basically are you gonna run at him because if you just run at him that's basically the one thing that kills you (laughs) it's like attack pull back attack pull back attack pull back all right you're good that's it you figured it out good job um but the first time I played, I actually remember I died to him because <laughs> I was like really impatient. I'm like, I'm going to run at him. <laughs> uh, and this time I was like, I remember this guy killing me. So I'm going to play it a little more patient. And I think I beat him on either the first or second try. Because um, patience is very useful in games where bosses have mechanics. <laughs> yeah. So another great thing about like the bosses in this game is they're all designed to have not insane pat like all of the patterns you can pick up and learn also they'll have like kind of attack phases and then they'll have what i call healing windows yeah so if you time things right and position yourself correctly you can actually heal so every time you are hitting enemies and dealing damage you have a little meter that goes up which is your soul Mm. and then you can consume the soul by holding b where you kind of just suck it into your body and then you heal up. Yeah. And it's a really cool mechanic, actually. It's like a um it's two two stage vampirism, basically, is what it is. Cause you have to be landing hits, but in another game where you have spilt lifesteal or something like that, that's all you have to worry about to heal. In this, you have to land hits and then you have to find a save time where you can actually execute that uh, focus to heal yourself. And it's nice because enemies uh, respawn. Um, not immediately after you kill them, or even if you go when back you to an area. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's I think it's based off of how far away you went, or who, you, what other enemies you've killed recently. But in general, they respawn. So if you're like struggling in an area and you're like really low on life, you might be able to uh, pop back a little bit, hit some guys, grab some soul, focus up. The game's actually fairly um, uh, generous with how much. Uh, life you can get back while exploring like considerably more than your like traditional sort of like i put this in quotes difficult platformer um it's the fixed encounters or just personal mistakes that really put you at risk of death yeah but i feel like you learn from those quickly like if you're making a mistake like falling into acid or spikes you're like oh let me not (laughs) do that that's usually the big thing. Or if you don't yet know, let's say a basic non-boss enemy's attack pattern, you get punished by it. You're like, yeah. okay, you get hit by it by a couple times, you go heal. But then when you see that enemy again, you're less likely to get punished by it. Yeah, you know their attacks. Um, there's one enemy that I, just a perfect example of that for me, is they fly around and they have like lances or spears. And... Um, Bravo! 
Brava, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, they have like a couple different attacks. One where they'll try to like run you through with like a vertical flight. They're flying around. Um, and they have another one where they'll just, you know, like do a stab at you or whatever. And then one where they'll throw the spear at you, which is the one I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, and they're just like, oh, time to pull another spear out of my inventory because this is... I'm a character in Dark Souls. <laughs> I just have been hoarding these. Um, and, uh, but once I learned that, it's like, okay, here's, you know, here's the threat radius of whatever enemies I'm facing. And so even the enemies that can pull off combos on you, they'll like do like several swings forward or something like that. Um, it's all mitigatable by knowledge. Yeah. Also, one thing about knowledge, they, d- they don't explicitly tell you early but you do kind of figure out later and then you learn how to abuse it a lot is like i said your combat is just like you kind of strike out horizontally in front of you Mm -hmm. if something's above you you can strike up and if something's below you you can jump and like strike below you yeah Mm -hmm. which is nice because every time you strike something below you whether it's an enemy or spikes you can (laughs) keep attacking because yeah. it essentially resets your attack and you get another like a little you get a little hop off of it because you're the force of your strike is pushing you back a little bit. Yeah. So you can use that to kind of like jump across spikes or there are certain areas where you have to jump on bugs, armored shells to go across an area. Yeah. Yeah. And that as a mechanic is really cool. But it also encourages you to say, like, hey, maybe I should be attacking certain enemies from above because they maybe don't have an up attack pattern. Yeah. Uh, I started doing that like not as early as I could have, obviously, but I started doing it before it was like mechanically necessary to get through some of the platforming segments, like to avoid acid, like you were saying. And so when it came time for that acid, I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm already Mr. Pogo Bug. Uh, I'm good to go. It reminds me of Commander Keen, actually, and the Pogo Stick, (laughs) um, which is probably a dated reference at this point. But the uh, um, the the air jumping it makes some of the bosses like considerably easier, or they'll have vulnerability phases, or where they're attacking the sides, and air attacks are just safe. Um, in particular, the final boss ish that we have we aren't really talking about yet is vulnerable to that. So it's like a skill that's definitely useful to learn. And there's um, you can take advantage of the bounces, and uh, there's these really cool uh, armored guys in city of tears um that have actual like vertical swings where they'll attack above to try to like get you out of the air mm-hmm. but if you just hop back and forth hitting either side of them avoiding whatever side they're attacking up on you can just keep you can just da- damage them to death you just style on them it feels so good no it's it's really nice and with those guys too like as soon as you attack them once from above they're like oh i'm gonna put my shield up so mm-hmm. you can then bounce off the shield and then go behind him. And they're like, I'm going to attack up where he is slash was. Oh, he's gone. And then you hit yeah. him in the ass twice. And you're like, let's go. Yeah, the knight can be a ninja for sure. He has to be a ninja actually by the end of it. Um, yeah, the enemies really like to test uh, pre-existing strategies. Um, and uh, you have other options. So like you could focus your soul to heal. But you also pretty early get um, it is called vengeful, vengeful spirit. spirit, yeah, uh, which is more than just a hero in Dota. 
and um, it's just a projectile. You fire out, consumes some of your soul pool. And well, it, I think it damage. consumes as much as it would for you to heal. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah, probably by default. You can modify them a little bit with charms. Um, there's one that makes your spells cheaper. Um, but yeah, it is pretty expensive, right? So you can choose. You're like, nah, I'm I'm real good. Why would I need to heal and to just spend all your, your potential life force <laughs> uh, lighting up bosses or something? Yeah, it's. It's actually needed at certain points because um, there are enemies that will kind of armor up if you're nearby. Mm-hmm. It's kind of used as a gating mechanism early. You know, gatekeeping. Right. Um, <laughs> but it teaches you how to use it and then you can use it to greater effect later. But mm-hmm. I don't think beyond those specific gate points that it's mandatory. Because a lot of times yeah. I didn't find myself using the projectile because mm-hmm. I would forget uh, and I would panic get hit and be like i need to go heal in this corner right but the game is also really good about punishing you if you're like i need to heal but it might not be a good time to heal but you're just like well i'm at one health i better and then you die from something yep because you're Mm -hmm. not waiting for that good point but i feel like because you watched me play and oh yeah to have some boss fights and i'm like i have to heal now goes walks into death space (laughs) waits for death while healing (laughs) You see, like a projectile coming out, and Jake's like, "No, nah, I can, can start here. <laughs> I, I can take it." <laughs> what? Another thing I like about this game is it has such a diversity of enemies. Because oh. early on, like you're seeing like some basic pill bugs, or like flies or grubs. You're dealing, yeah. Nothing. Pill bugs. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was trying to guess what that joke was. Nice. Yeah. Um, but like nothing super crazy. But then as you get into green path, you already now have like these bush enemies, a lot of which are kind of docile, minding their own business. Mm-hmm. And other ones become bombs. Other yeah. ones kind of charge at you and are gigantic. But if you actually hit them, you realize it's mostly leaves and it's just like a little bug that kind of scurries away. Um, and then they have knights in there too. And the knights have projectiles and it just keeps building from there. Mm-hmm. And like the I areas really like- are so distinct. Oh yeah. You, you talked about green path and green path was one of my, so like you start out, you go down into crossroads and as, or forgotten crossroads. And as one may expect by the name, they're a crossroads of sorts that, branch out to most of the like starter areas or the relatively safe in quotes areas. Um, and green path is like, was one of my first favorite areas in the game for sure. Yeah. Cause it starts off like crossroads are so desolate and mm-hmm. quiet and you're just kind of seeing a rundown area. But then when you go to a green path, it's so, I don't get to use this word enough verdant Um, (laughs) and it's so green and lush and like everything's growing and is alive and the music changes and it feels kind of peaceful yet upbeat Uh, and you really get a nice sense of fun exploration when you're there yeah because it's it's literally a whole new world compared to the dim dank above that which you've been at yeah Green Path is basically the moment where you know that the game isn't just spelunky with like <laughs> some different mechanics. 
you're just like, oh, snap, this is, uh, you know, this very biodiverse forest. Um, that's actually not a lot of people know this, but green path was the motivation for the color green and magic and all of its, um, all of its mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Those dates definitely check out. Um, (laughs) Also, I don't know if we mentioned this, but, um, everything you fight in the game is bugs and you are a bug. This game is actually based off of bugs life. Yeah. Gritty, gritty reboot. It's the director's cut for a bug's life. <laughs> it's just always impressive when somebody chooses a different medium. It's like, oh, we're not doing people. We'll do something mm-hmm. else. But I feel like each of the characters and NPCs and enemies can be stylized or expressive enough to yeah. where you get what they're going for. Yeah. They they have like... um, They use some, some different tropes and... Uh, or at least things you can pick up on immediately. Personalities. Um, plus, it's, they, the, their voices. Their voices yeah. also lend a lot to the NPC personality. It's kind of like an Animal Crossing intonation. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when you hear the one shopkeeper, she's like, Fafanada. You're like, yeah. oh, she's kind of like, oh, whatever. I'm. This is my day job type thing. Yeah. The intonation is what sells it. It reminded me a lot of um, Pyre, actually. Yeah, yeah, and the way that they uh, they use the voices in that game. Um, but it's funny because some NPCs were like kind of obnoxious just because of their voice lines and like how they were a little bit harsh or whatever. I'm just like, ah, this guy again. <laughs> I have an idea stuff. of who you mean, but uh, who do you mean? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. There's a couple that there's a couple that bothered me, I guess. And I think Sly. So Sly is the shopkeeper that sells you um, charms. Mm-hmm. And he's got this. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he says. It's some nonsense words and then geo. And I heard it so many times off the course through the course of the game. I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. You want money. <laughs> I'll be back with your money. <laughs> I'm going to go farm some bugs. <laughs> he's one of my favorite shopkeepers because he's like so upbeat and peppy and has like these just huge eyes oh, yeah. um, he's an actual fly right like just a fly um he I'm, might be i forget but did you know he actually has some decent lore about him i figured out like a little bit in the course of my playthrough because i got all the the nail arts mm-hmm. and then went back and he's like hey come to the basement i'm like ah oh, this stuff again <laughs> <laughs> okay so you actually then you know mm-hmm. yeah he's the the actual nail master who trained those three nail artists i think at some point in the dlc you can actually fight him yes i think i think i saw that somewhere yeah um which seems like it would be hard because he's absolutely tiny and the picture of him like wielding a nail that's like four times his body like cloud stripes got nothing nothing on this guy it's fucking huge that's one of the things i like about the game is Another of the Steam tags is Souls-like, meaning that it's awesome, but also <laughs> right. in the way that it does storytelling, it's not, hey, I'm the guy. We grew up together. This is our story. We have to go defeat the big bad. No. Yeah. Everything is kind of inferred through brief dialogues with NPCs, mm-hmm. things you see in world, um, which are a lot of times in the background and you'll miss on it, myself yeah. included, or... It might be item descriptions, which kind of gives you 
a more rounded view of the in-game universe. Yeah, Hollow Nest is basically the entirety of the map, more or less. Up or down, left or right, just a little bit. But for the most part, it's just Hollow Nest. And I don't think you know something like to 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 earn this the souls like thing there's a couple things there's a couple similarities the benches are bonfires because they heal you and they allow you to change your items um they don't tell you what this the your main objective is until like actually significantly into the game (laughs) like um i think in hollow knight it's not until you reach resting grounds that you even get objectives for the quote-unquote main quest what you actually need to do Mm -hmm. um and it's not like you have that quest but you don't know where to go it's like you don't know what you're you're just exploring you're just getting stronger buying stuff and exploring for the fun of it Um, which obviously equates to you know dark souls when you would get the uh quest for the lord vessel and stuff and it's like hey there's actual plot here. It's not just everything else. <laughs> yeah. But I like how long it rides the exploring for fun. Oh, yeah. Because if you start to enjoy the combat and the different areas and enemies and then like the little nooks and crannies and then as you do get other upgrades or mobility options, you're like, oh, maybe I can actually go back here. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I don't think we mentioned it yet, but you can also buy markers for your map. Kind of say, hey, I want to come back and investigate this spot right here where I definitely need to be able to climb walls or some bullshit. I don't even know what that is yet. Uh, But then you go back and you're like, oh, cool. I found a neat little thing. One of which you can find these little grubs in uh, glass jars Mm -hmm. who are the cutest things and made me immediately uh, enamored with the game because they make this cute little like cooing sound and they seem so innocent. Yeah. But then as you go back to a certain area, there's like a little pod of them. And then if you come by, they're they're like, "Hey." I mean, they don't say hey, but they're just very excited yeah. to see you and you can feel it. And then yeah. the grub father will kind of give you a reward for saving one. And he he gives you rewards for all of the ones you've saved since you last went there. Yeah. So I went and I got like 15 or 20 Ooh. of them or something. And then I came back and I just stood in the center as he just made it rain. Just geo falling all over the place. Like like upgrade pieces, charms, all this other nonsense. I'm just standing here basking in it. It's freaking great. Yeah, it's a, it's a worthy side quest for sure. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It was... um. Speaking of Geo, to use my own thing as a segue, uh, another charm I used a lot of the time was um, Gathering Swarm, basically magnetic for money. I had that on for a significant portion of the time I was playing the game until I basically didn't. I felt like I didn't need money anymore, but thanks to the DLC, I actually still should probably have been saving money. Um, And... Like, as soon as the game's like, you can farm, I'm like, I will farm. (laughs) And that's how I kind of treated Hollow Knight, too. I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to be grabbing all this uh, all this money up because there's some significantly powerful charms you need to save up to buy. Um, Do you have (laughs) Uh, one that I um, really enjoyed was there's a guy down in. It's fungal something. Fungal wastes? I think it's fungal waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
where he sells you fragile charms and uh there's three of them one of them and they're all relatively cheap they take sockets uh which i think you get through the course of the story right like different you start out with a a couple of notches for your charms Mm -hmm. and then as you get more charms you can buy more notches from the one shopkeeper that's right that's right um but they're pretty they don't take many notches so low low cost but they give you more health one of them gives you more health the other one increases the amount of money that drops and the last one increases your damage by 50 percent. and i'm like these are amazing but they're fragile so if you die they break and you have to go back to them to have them repaired which costs money yeah um so i did not end up using those that much i'm very as i say for every game very linear with a mindset i find something that works and i beat it to death (laughs) so an early upgrade you can get is the long nail which just increases your weapon range a little bit and i was like dope never taking this off Mm -hmm. and then after you fight the is it after mantis lords you get the Uh, mantis claw yeah uh the claw is there you can get it before the sorry not the mantis claw i'm thinking of there's a mantis it's like brave yeah emblem or whatever yeah the extra length (laughs) but what's great is uh you can you can stack those you can have both equipped so you get extra extra range Mm -hmm. so it was really useful but if i ever wanted to vary my build i forgot how to play up close with standard (laughs) weapon range yeah Um, so a lot of times i would keep it on they were really useful though i i probably played with them less because i just i had other things that i considered essential and so i very rarely had the pips available for them yeah but a a couple times i'd uh, i'd toss them on there um because attack range is freaking nice especially against flyers or other things you have to jump up and hit um or bosses where their their threat range for an immediate melee attack is a little bit wide. Um, or sometimes when they're vulnerable and you're hitting them, their next attack will extend a little bit. Yep. And you can be outside of that with any range. So uh, I used um, soul uh, generation increasers a lot. Um and I actually misunderstood what how one charm worked until today. So I had it equipped a lot of the time and I didn't use it for anything. Which one? Uh, so there's one for the, I think it's, it's like Dream Collector or something. Yeah. And it says it speeds up the Dream Nail, which we haven't talked about yet, but we'll get to it. And it makes it so you have more soul generation, which I thought was across the board, but it's specifically for hitting enemies with the Dream Nail. <laughs> um so I didn't particularly use that that much, but it was only one pip. So, yeah. So about the dream now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's your main quest, right? After yeah, finally hitting the resting shotgun plot points. This is one of those games where you should just play it instead of listening vicariously and being like, "Oh, that was nice." No, no, no. yeah, go play it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're uncovering the story of the world. Um, you encounter these dreamers who are essentially locking off a gate to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they see you're kind of progressing into hollowness, kind of invading um, what they've set up, they kind of trap you in the dream world. Yeah. Somebody enters the dream world and gives you this dream nail. 
which allows you to kind of cut through dreams, which then you can use throughout the game to hit anybody to kind of read their mind and see their innermost thoughts or Mm -hmm. enter their dreams. So this is where a lot of the lore building comes in through the game because that's how you get lore. What's that person thinking? What's their backstory? (laughs) Hit them with the nail. (laughs) Yeah. And it has more ramifications later, Um, but it's not used for combat. It's more for triggering certain events with the one exception because it has like a bit of a charge up unless you're using the dream nail charm it has a lot of a charge up unless you're using the dream nail charm actually um but it gives you a whole bunch of soul when you hit somebody with it so sometimes you can weave it into like a boss fight for a lot of recharge but most of the time you're just going to be hitting them with a safe move yeah Agreed. it is interesting though because it um one of the core plot points is there's an infection that's spreading this kind of orangey radiance light um, that's corrupting the bugs. And if you hit the, uh, once I got the dream nail, I was like, Oh, I can read things thoughts. Let's try hitting some of these enemies. And I'm like, they all have either like kill empty, destroy as like a thought, a dream or like run, uh, danger like uh defend or something like that i'm like i think i might be the bad guy <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah dream nail was awesome i started hitting pretty much everything everything with it that i could you're a better uh, man than i i um i brute forced the whole game and then watched the lore video and i'm like wow i was not paying attention <laughs> There's a couple really, um, probably like four or five in the entire game, really wise or aware NPCs, where if you hit them with a dream nail, their inner thoughts are just like, that's really invasive. Why are you doing this? You know, something like that. And there's also, um, there's an upgrade mechanic for it too. That's, that's pretty necessary um, in order to actually pierce like certain things minds. Yeah, I didn't go back for everything once I got to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are certain things that will kind of shield their mind from you, like you were saying. Yeah. But I think at that point, you can enter anything. Yeah. So I should have gone back to at least one giant tubby boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think if you're talking about the big uh, caterpillar guy at the... Is it the, the, I can't remember the name of the area. It's on the west or the east, I mean. East. Howling Kingdom Howling Edge. Howling. Kingdom's Edge. Yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's one of the ones that's like, that's really rude. <laughs> why, why are you reading my mind? It's really funny. Or some of them are like statues or corpses, even like bugs that are seemingly dead on the ground. And you can hit them with a dream nail to find out what like their last imperative was um yeah it's amazing how much information and detail there is kind of just tucked away and things Mm -hmm. also because this is a souls like there are breakable walls Uh, (laughs) so you start hitting everything everywhere to kind of explore i missed a lot for a long time yeah and even now for like 
you beat the game essentially the same point I did. You've missed a lot. I know yeah. things you've missed. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there's like 40-ish or 45 charms in the game. Yeah. there's, there's And I'm still problem. missing like four. Um, <laughs> not that I necessarily need all of them. But it would be nice to go back and explore to get the full context. Yeah. Some of know. them are pretty hard to get. Like you have to save all of the grubs to get one. Which I didn't get. That's easy. It gets well, easier after yeah. you fight the collector. The collector will give you a map of other grubs on the map. You're like, oh, cool. How do well, I get here? <laughs> <laughs> he gives it to you and the traditional I killed him went up to his study and took it in <laughs> sort of way. <laughs> yes. He bequeathed it. Right. It's what he would have wanted after after I killed him. <laughs> Um, I want to double back because I forgot to talk about some of the other mechanics Mm -hmm. so we talked about the heal ability we talked about vengeful spirit as a range projectile Mm. but we missed on a couple others oh yeah so there's a dash mechanic which is good for quickly dashing about Uh, Mm. you can also jump and then dash in midair to clear some gaps along the way you'll also get a double jump yeah, you which can, is huge. Yes, it is. Not just the areas you can reach, but like, let's say you jump and hit an enemy, then it's like, I'm going to hit you. You're like, oh, fuck. You press jump again, you get out of that. So it allows you to yeah. reposition so much more finely. There's uh, the Mantis Claw, which allows you to kind of hang on walls and keep jumping up them. and yeah. So you can Mega Man it versus... You can Mega Man exit instead of Mega Man it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, there is the Desolate Dive, yep, which does take soul to use, but as soon as you're in the air and you press down B, you kind of just skyrocket down, and then you have like an impact. And it works across... There's several abilities in this game that work across area transition boundaries, and Desolate Dive is one of them. So you can dive through one area into the next... And you say it takes soul, but it gives you rep. Not as an in-game mechanic, but it just looks really cool when you desolate dive into a new area, completely irrespective of whatever danger is in there. <laughs> and spikes. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time it's spikes. <laughs> uh, Howling Wraiths is another mm-hmm. one that's super useful. It's oh, yeah. kind of like you kind of shotgun deal damage above you as like soul or rather the abyss kind of mm-hmm. goes out above you um, it starts as soul yeah the first one soul but it does insanely good damage mm-hmm. so so that one final boss that you fought is super weak to the upgraded version of that yeah because <laughs> um, it deals a lot of damage and especially if you have upgraded spells or cheaper spells you mm-hmm. can spam it out as long as you're getting hits to generate the soul to cast it yeah and it's it's worth noting like all of these abilities they're all spells and there's specific charms to build around them um so i i tried it a little bit i didn't go full into it but like soul generation spell damage you could fill your entire bar with it and just be like the nail is a fallback plan for me (laughs) (laughs) i'll hit them if i have to but (laughs) yeah um, and the upgraded you mentioned the upgraded farm form of this the abyss shriek and there's several upgraded 
forms. Uh, this one multi-hits. That's what makes it so incredibly devastating. As it's just like, oh, well, there's three instances of damage or whatever. Good luck, guy who's roughly above my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. And then not usually used in combat, but super good for platforming is a crystal heart. Yeah, this is one. This is probably my favorite. It's between this and dash, I think, for my favorite overall ability in the game. What does crystal heart do, Jacob? Crystal heart, which is found in an area with crystals, um, as one may expect, allows you to build out. You ch- hold charge. It's a left trigger, I think. Um, and if you're on the ground, it'll, you'll start building a charge in the direction you're going to release to. And then you just launch like a spaceship leaving the Earth. It just fires you across the screen. No iframes like some sort of pansy. You'll take full damage on impact. Um <laughs> And this is another ability that works across area boundaries. So you're just like, let's go. I'm resisting slapping my hand as I say this uh, for for the listeners. Um, and I loved this. I would use this ability if it was technically slowing me down because it's just so fun to launch across the screen. No, it's super good. And you can use it standing on the ground, minding your own business, or if you're sliding down a wall. Oh, let's yeah. say you need to get under like a small gap. You're like, let's slide down as far as I can. And you just hold on. The crystals start growing around you. And then you just kind of, like you said, shoot off. Yeah. And it's a, it's made more hilarious by how small the knight is, the protagonist. He's just this little bug in like a little robe with a white mask. And he's just booking it. <laughs> like, across the screen. That's so good. Also, like, he is a silent protagonist, but he also doesn't have facial expressions. He just kind of has like these dark circles, his eyes and the mask, which doesn't have anything for like a mouth or a nose. So you just see like your charge and being a badass, and he just has no expression the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He is the definition of stoic. Yeah. There is a couple points where, um, they'll add some, some character or personality to him. I know if you sit on a bench, and then, like a lot of games have had idle animations, like Sonic uh, will tap his foot impatiently yeah. if you just sit there. Um, but if you're sitting on a bench, the knight will kind of like, he'll slump just a little bit, slump a little bit more, and fall asleep, basically. <laughs> um, take a little actual rest. It's incredibly cute. But yeah, that was... For as far as like a contributing to the standard array of abilities that you usually get in a platform, uh, horizontal rocket ability is my contender for Hollow Knight. Take uh, that, Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't have a horizontal rocket ability, does he? No. Um, so yeah, we, that one was really good. We've kind of shotgunned around as we tend to do, which I we both expected. Uh, but I do want to kind of cover some things you really liked about the game, whether they be areas, bosses, mm-hmm. um, something that surprised you or caught you off guard you really liked. What's some stuff that stood out for you in this game? Uh, looking through the list, I mean, I, I wouldn't have to look at the list through this. So City of Tears is my favorite area in the game. And you get them not uh, a bit before mid-game, I guess. Um, 
for a standard playthrough around the mid game point probably um and it's just raining constantly it's like the remnants of the old city so this is kind of like in dark souls when you find um an orlando mm-hmm. basically um except the ambiance and city of tears is awesome the music is freaking awesome the enemies are like they're punishing but they all have weaknesses none of them are just obnoxious to fight and they're mostly knights like in Orlando, right um and it's like i said it's it's constantly raining which and i give the credit the game like and team cherry full credit for this they found an in-universe justification to have an area approaching the bottom of the the stack of levels um, where raining makes sense. And they did that by putting Blue Lake above it, which is just like from a world building perspective. I love that. Yeah, they really tie all the areas together super well. City of Tears is great. Every time the piano starts going, I'm like, all right, a little bit of feels, a little bit of what? A little bit of feels, a little bit of feels. There's also a statue to Hollow Knight in City of um, in City of Tears. And it's like a little minor gameplay thing. Whenever you read the plaque on a statue, it like the text shows up with font and like unfurls kind of almost like a, like a scroll sort of not really like a scroll, but more than just dialogue has appeared and there's text on it it's stylized and makes it more feel like you're reading a monument or a plaque um and that was one of the i think that's the first time i actually got any idea of what hollow knight was because it's just like uh encased far above um the the hollow knight fulfills his purpose or whatever i'm like whoa that's actual <laughs> you get you're coming dangerously close to telling me something game <laughs> yeah it's it's good about that it's i can't think of an area that i'm i actively dislike as far as theming and music because mm-hmm. each area has its own music uh, it, <laughs> it has its a wildly different background so no two areas you're like oh it, it kind of looks like a version of the other one no yeah. uh, they're pretty distinct and they all make sense geographically for how they're positioned because um, obviously the deeper down you go the closer you're going underground uh, closer to the core or something like that um, but it's just everything ties together so nicely yeah I'm trying to ramp vamp here until I think of my favorite area. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I'll actually, I'll throw another one out just to disqualify something you were thinking about. Yeah. Um, I also really liked uh, resting grounds because the music is super chill there. It's a relatively small area with not a bunch of enemies. Even when you're approaching the area, it's kind of the grave of hollow nest. Like, or the graveyard is <laughs> one. Um, it's not the grave for the entire city. It's a multitude of graves for different people. Um, but it's just got this nice serene feel to it. Like it's further away from the corruption. And most importantly, there's this massive horizontal stretch 
where you can use crystal heart to clear the entire thing and do like multiple area transitions. So obviously a top contender. <laughs> I think for me, a big one is probably kingdom's edge. Oh, if, interesting. I fucking hate the enemies in there so much. They're so annoying and healthier than I would like. Yeah. And you're susceptible to a lot of traps and random projectiles you might have not expected. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh, kind of cool because it's on the outskirts of everything else. Uh, it's kind of decaying a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's still like molted ash from like the worm husk. There's just a lot of weird stuff out there. It's not like the music stands out or it's like the most beautiful area. I just like it a lot. Yeah. It's got a certain something, a certain je ne sais quoi. There's also like corpses falling from the Coliseum. Yes. <laughs> as you're climbing. <laughs> Coliseum is another great area where you have to kind of sneak your way into it, uh, but you can essentially fight through these challenges and earn rewards. Um, yeah. And it, Which is fun. Oh yeah, it really tests your platforming ability and combat and doing both hand in hand. I still haven't officially beaten it. Um, I haven't either. Though I've gotten damn close. I haven't tried the 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 fool, the final difficulty, but yeah, I cleared everything else. I liked it though cuz the 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 because the game's like it's got this health feedback thing by getting hits, getting soul allowing you to build around that for regen. The combat feels like you can make mistakes early as long as you learn like relatively quickly and then you adapt. It's not like this is one of the few things it does that's different than Dark Souls. And Dark Souls, if you screw up, it tends to just be over. <laughs> like, oh, there's a hole in the ground. Here's an enemy hiding behind a wall that's going to backstab you. That's how you learn. Hollow Knight's like, it slaps you once. And it's like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and you're like, well. And then it slaps you again. And you're like, okay, I understand. Then you grab Hollow, you know, the game's arm. And you're like, don't slap me. At least that was my experience. Um, but it gives you room to learn and, uh, and fail. Um, and doesn't punish you if you learn quickly. Yeah. I never felt like I was... I definitely had challenges when playing through the game. Like, I get stuck on certain bosses. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I just got to get into the groove of the boss fight, learn their mechanics, actually dodge their stuff instead of trying to get in more attacks. And once I beat the game, I immediately started another playthrough and started going through again. And I essentially got to the same point in about half the time. Because I mechanically knew so much more. I knew how to react to certain things. I also knew where to go. Yeah, so all of that. That's a big one. In conjunction together, I was like, "Oh, it's not actually as hard as I thought it was." I just had so much to learn. Yeah, but there are still things that will kick my ass. Um, <laughs> like I'm yeah, not was... going to do DLC bosses per se or those challenges. I'm not that good or that patient. Mm-hmm. But everything as far as base gameplay. Mm-hmm outside of the th- the third trial of fools um <laughs> i feel confident that i could beat again yeah yeah i don't know like 
<laughs> I I feel like I have to mention that at some point the game does become if you're going for like the quote unquote true ending, it becomes a little super meat boyish. And by that I mean a hundred percent super meat boyish. But now that we've reached this point, I realize I'm good not spoiling the endings for the game. I would just say that I have some reservations about the points where the game dips away from the exploration and the combat um, and starts becoming like, hey, hard platforming. But to be fair, I got through it, which means it's doable, which means you can too, listener. Just think about how much of a casual I am and how you're better than me. Um, this is all just a motivational ramp up to get people to play the game, I think. Well, I mean, I feel like whenever I play a game, like when I played Celeste, right? Mm-hmm. I knew which things I struggled on. I'm like, you should check out Celeste. And then I watched you play it and you just like, that part was easy. I'm like, fuck this guy. <laughs> so when you were struggling at that point, I was like, don't tell me you can't do it. I've seen you do things. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, I actually like stayed up and watched Jake do the white palace for like an hour and a half. Oh my God. And I was, <laughs> it just made me so happy to see you go through the same trials that I had and overcome them. Yeah. And yeah, that one is definitely platform heavy. Um, but again, if you utilize the skills you've picked up for mobility, and some of like the nail interactions and you have little mm-hmm. patience, you can overcome anything in that game. Um, yeah. And it feels good too. I don't feel like I had to like cheat my way through something. Like I was mm-hmm. breaking the system and I don't feel like they ever just like handed <laughs> it to me on a plate. There was one point in the white palace when we were reaching right before a checkpoint, the last, mm-hmm. the spikes coming up and down from the ceiling where I like tried it, failed, made it back. I think tried it, failed, went back, paused in front of it. And Dave's like, I'm going to look at the video. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um, but that's, that's one of my few gripes with it. Um, in general, exploring early instead of trying to fight everything, I think is good advice because you get stronger by finding a lot of things. Um, rather than trying like optional fights and whatnot. Uh, so going back, that's probably the advice I would have told myself. And it's it's worth it to stick through <laughs> things like the White Palace and uh, and actually get there. Yeah, it it has a lot of content in it. And as long as you're enjoying the exploration, of the combat, or just checking out the game, don't feel rushed to beat the game. Or if you do just want to go and beat it, try a second playthrough at a point. Yeah. Uh, you're definitely, even if you're not trying, you're going to find some other things that you missed the first time around. And it's just, it's so good. Mechanically, solid. Stylistically, amazing. Music yeah. and sound design, there are some areas that make me feel uncomfortable when I listen to them. <laughs> yes. But that's that means they did a good job. And also the story and everything, as you even if you're not like going deep in the lore, because I definitely missed a lot. Dear God, the feels. Yeah. And it's just a really rewarding experience all in all. Environmental storytelling out the wazoo, as they say. Um, so yeah, uh, three out of five. It's a pretty good game. 
Um, no, this is actually probably this is probably the best platformer I've played. Mm, it's competing. I don't know. Celeste is pretty good, but this is this is definitely top three. Celeste um, is definitely good, but I feel like it's in a different space. It is. It is. It definitely is. And what's funny is the thing I dislike about this game is the thing Celeste specializes <laughs> in, which is difficult platforming. <laughs> so, eh. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely recommended. It goes on sale fairly frequently, I think. I think I've seen it for 75% off on Steam. Oh, wow. And it's been three years. So uh, definitely going to go on sale. I heartily recommend it if you can stand platformers at all. Um, or if you like anything combatly combat roguelike adjacent not roguelike souls like it's all good stuff yeah and this is one of those things that i slept on people said it was really good i'm like all right you fucking casuals you sheep just bandwagoning <laughs> on a good thing oh i'm gonna wait yeah and then there's like a saturday i'm like you know what i have this game i got for like 10 bucks let me let me check it out and then it was two days later i'm like I'm in deep. <laughs> so maybe listen to your friend's recommendations. They probably know you pretty well and what you're going to like. Yeah. And we didn't spoil anything past basically mid game. For yeah. The most part. So play the game and then watch a lore video afterwards. It's <laughs> yeah. And then come back here and listen to the podcast again. Be like, ah, now I can empathize. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about with the super meat boy stuff. And hey, uh, Hollow Knight 2 going to be coming out yeah. at some point? Yeah. E3, I E3 trailer? They didn't look at the re- release year? date, but it's listed on Steam. Um, not like purchasable, but it has a product listing on Steam now. So looking forward to that. As always, you guys can uh, reach out to us with your feedback uh, or episode ideas. Feel free to do that at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can join the discussion on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash soapstone podcast. We're always happy to hear from people. People can add angry reactions. And we're just like, ooh, yeah, you're right. I agree. We could have done that better. You can also um, now add the care reaction. Oh, yeah. Is that the, the hugging the heart thing? I saw that a That's, little bit. Yeah, it's the new one. <laughs> so it now that that's added, is every other reaction I don't care? yeah <laughs> okay that's why that's for good. a while you could only like when someone posted that their grandmother passed away <laughs> i'm still waiting for the thumbs down this makes me uncomfortable that you posted this. <laughs> uh, as always we'll see you in the next one have a good night <laughs>